the first two brothers on earth were Cain and Abel. They were the first offspring of Adam and Eve, you might recall, the first two siblings on earth, Cain and Abel. And one kills the other one. Our humanity is riddled with the need for forgiveness. Violence, malice, hurt, bitterness, vengeance, retribution. Maybe you've experienced some of these things. Maybe your self-esteem was stomped by a parent who never showed you much affection. Maybe a spouse walks out on you and says, my lawyer will call you in the morning. A teacher embarrasses you in front of the entire class. A friend makes public all of your secrets. Maybe someone has literally done physical violence against you. Maybe you've been lied to or stole from. We're continuing the sermon series called Let's Chat based on the Lord's Prayer. Today we're on the fifth petition. We're familiar with it. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Maybe you learned it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, um, as we forgive our debtors. Preaching on forgiveness is so central to the Christian walk. Preaching on forgiveness is so central to what God has done for us. Preaching on forgiveness is so central to our sanctified life. So we preach on forgiveness a lot around here. About six years ago, we did a a series on forgiveness. We used a book by R.T. Kendall called uh, Total Forgiveness. And a couple weeks later, after I preached, a guy came up to me. And he said, Mark, that message on forgiveness saved my marriage humbling, powerful. God's word, forgiveness is real and it works. So today let's see what God's word on forgiveness will do for us and how it'll change our lives. Let's come together in prayer. Why in the world, Lord, would I forgive someone who has hurt me so badly? And even if I decided to forgive, how in the world would I do something that seems so overwhelmingly impossible? Forgiveness. Why? And how? We are grateful that your word has been given to us. We open it with glad and expectant hearts to learn about your great forgiveness for us and our forgiveness for others. And Lord, forgive the transgressions of the one who speaks now, for there are many. Word of God, speak. We want to see Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So two portions to the message this morning. First of all, the why we should forgive, and then the how, maybe the more important, the more difficult part, how. And first of all, we start out by understanding that we forgive because God has commanded it. God has commanded it. We know from the prayer, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. When we don't forgive others, we're putting ourselves above God's law. In a way, we've decided that this is something that we should handle that holding grudges and the decision whether to forgive or not forgive is under our authority, that it's a legitimate choice that we have. It's not. Ephesians 3.32, be kind and compassionate, I can't read that, (laughs) to one another, forgiving each other. There we go. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Let me read to you um, a powerful scripture that I think will have an impact uh, on us this morning. It's a parable that Jesus uh, tells on forgiveness. It's from the book of Matthew in the 18th uh, 18th, uh, chapter. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees. Be patient with me, he begged. I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled his debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 
a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell back to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went to their master and told him everything that had happened. Then the master called in the servant. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, this master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. Jesus concludes, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Pretty powerful, pretty convicting. Lots to talk about there. The one thing I want to ask you is, what did the master call the unforgiving servant when he came before him? You wicked servant. You consider yourself wicked when you're unforgiving? I don't think we do. We kind of give ourselves a pass. I know God wants me to forgive people, and I'm kind of hedging that toward that. God doesn't say that. He says, I've forgiven you so much that when you are unforgiving, you are acting, or through your inaction, you are a wicked servant. John Piper, Baptist minister in Minnesota, we would disagree with him on some things, but he gets it right here. He says, when we forgive others, we have faith, we show that we're united to Christ, and we show that we are indwelt by the gracious, humbling Holy Spirit. Second reason that we forgive is we forgive because reconciliation is a part of God's plan. Reconciliation is a part of God's plan. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, I mentioned Cain and Abel at the beginning of the message. Bad start for humanity. And I've been impressed over these last weeks and months, and maybe you have too, that we live in a busted up world. But God has created a plan for healing and peace that comes through reconciliation by means of forgiveness. There's a piece of art that hangs in Dublin, Ireland. It's in the Cathedral of St. Patrick, actually. It's called the Door of Reconciliation. Big timber door with a hole in the middle of it. Goes back to 1492 when the Kildares and the Ormonds, two different uh, families were fighting against each other. And the Ormonds took refuge on this timber house that was on the campus of St. Patrick's. The Kildares waited outside of them for weeks to starve them out. It was a siege. Eventually, the Earl of Kildare, the family that was on the outside, the family that had the advantage, he came to his senses and decided all this killing and violence was leading to nothing good. So he knocked on the door and said, Earl of Ormond, come out, let us reconcile. The Earl of Ormond thought it was a trap, so he didn't come out. Well, the Earl of Kildare was sincere, and he wanted reconciliation, so he drilled a hole through the door and thrust his hand through at great risk, offering a hand of reconciliation and forgiveness and peace. Can you imagine? The guy on the inside could have just lopped it off. He didn't. They shook hands, and the family came out, and there was reconciliation, there was forgiveness. We forgive each other because reconciliation is a part of God's plan. Thirdly, we forgive because the offense is not your burden to bear. 
This is not your job. God did not create us to be offense carriers. Maybe some of you need to write that down. God did not create us to be offense carriers. Offense carriers is not who we are. How do we get fooled into thinking that this is our responsibility to carry this burden? Her name is Joyce Myers. Again, we would disagree with old Joyce on some pretty important points of doctrine. But she, she wrote a book in 2012 called Do Yourself a Favor, Forgive. What a great title. Do yourself a favor, forgive. If you want your life to be better, if you want yourself to have more peace, if you want to be happier, forgive. You're the one who will come out of this with greater um, blessing, having advanced more in areas of your life of peace. She writes this in her book. She says, if, you, if we don't forgive, we will be miserable and our soul will be poisoned with the malignancy of bitterness. I have learned that when I forgive someone who has hurt me, I'm actually doing myself a favor. And that knowledge makes it much easier for me to forgive quickly and completely. I've used this uh, illustration before. It's not a great illustration here. It's a little fanciful, a little hard to believe, but I think it makes the point. Um, let's say that there, it's a fable, it's a myth, it's a legend, but there was a country whose tradition had it that when the, the uh, warden of the national prison died, it was the responsibility of his eldest child to take over. That seems to make relatively good sense. Well, it happened. The guy died. The only problem was his oldest child was a six-year-old girl. Well, the authorities there, the leadership there, thought we better keep with tradition. So they made this six-year-old girl in charge of the prison. It's crazy. She doesn't have the ability to administer that. She can't dole out justice. She can't deal with the sin and darkness that goes on in there. And here we are, six-year-old children, thinking that we can figure this all out. And believe me, the distance between a six-year-old child and her dad is much smaller than the distance between us and a holy God, yet somehow we think that we are able to do it. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning that in this area we are unqualified. Philip Yancey writes, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. By forgiving, I release all my own right to get even and leave all the issues of fairness to God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scale that must balance justice and mercy. So pretty, pretty compelling argument as to why we should forgive. We could mention other things, but we'll move on. Now the how. We know, if we've been with Christ for a while, if we've opened his word, we know we're supposed to forgive. Someone just tell me how this is so hard. We'll go on a little journey here. Five points. In the first couple ones, you go, this isn't really telling me how, but they're important cornerstones to build on. This will be a linear teaching. It'll go somewhere. So the first way that we can forgive is to understand the personal responsibility for our own sin. We cannot begin to forgive until we know that we are forgiven by God. And to know this forgiveness, we must know that we are sinners that we have the ability to cause great evil and that we have committed great sin. David writes in Psalm 51.3, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Yeah, David had it right. He knew that he was a sinner. They were in front of him. Look at your sin. Honestly, don't live in it. Don't be obsessed by it. Don't bask in it. Don't linger in it. But look at it and soberly take account of your transgressions. And that takes us to the second how. How to forgive, we know the horrible consequences of our sin. Okay, we acknowledge sin, and now what does that mean? What are the consequences of our sin? Proverbs 13, 15 says, the way of the transgressor is hard. The, the, the way of the transgressor, 
transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Sin makes life difficult. I used this illustration before too, but I think it's helpful. Um, in 2010, it was called the Copiapo mining accident in Chile. 37 miners were trapped below ground. They couldn't get out. Between them and freedom was 700 meters of solid bedrock. That's almost a half a mile. There's no way they could get themselves out. I mean, they could do their best efforts. They would chisel away, maybe get a couple of feet. They had no tools with them. 700 meters of solid bedrock. The only way for them to get out is for someone to bore a hole down, a rescuer, to come down and get them. And thank God that's what happened. All 37 were saved. It was a great victory. But that's the consequence for our sin. There's a great barrier between us and God. When it comes to us and sin and God, he's not just a whisper away. He's not just over here. He's a, a 700 meters of solid bedrock away. He distances himself from sin and sinners. And that's where we find ourselves, in terrible shape. Um, Tim Keller says it this way, somehow the world has fooled us into thinking that it's a safe place. Somehow the world has fooled us into thinking it's a safe place. Yeah, we've got life pretty good. Food, a couple of dollars, got clothes to wear, the air conditioner works when it gets hot. We are dying, not just physical deaths, but spiritual separation on account of sin. One of the things that I pray for our daughter Esther every morning is that she would know her great need for Jesus. That she would know her great, you really need him. He's not a nice add-on, something to plug in. You are in desperate, fatal need of a Savior because death is here because of sin, and he is our only rescuer. Um, third way to help forgive is to embrace God's grace. To understand forgiveness, you need to understand the beauty of God's grace. My favorite definition for grace, and there are many good ones, goes like this. Grace is favor given to the undeserving by someone not obligated to do it. Grace is favor given to the undeserving by someone not obligated to do it. Once we understand and embrace God's grace, we can forgive. The grace of Jesus in your life needs, leaves no room for unforgiveness. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with God's grace. Oops, skipped a couple words. The riches of God's grace. Why would Paul want to put those words in there? Because he understood, at least from a human perspective, the enormity of God's grace. That favor was given to the undeserving by someone not obligated to do it. It's enormous. The same scripture from the message translation is much longer. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, Jesus, his blood poured on on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we, couldn't, we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such great delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. God's enormous grace. One more text on the enormity of his grace. The gospel is bearing fruit. Now hold on to that phrase. We'll come back to it. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it, and truly 
understood God's grace, when we truly have a grasp of what has been done to us by the means of God's grace, we can go back and understand the bearing of fruit. One of those fruits is forgiveness. It's enormous what God has done for us, this grace. Next, in forgiving, grasp the delightful blessings of God's forgiveness. You are forgiven. These are the most important words you'll ever hear. I guarantee it. More important than when she said yes after you got on your knee and asked her to marry you. More important than when he said, I do, at the altar when you pledged yourselves to each other. More important than when the, the doctor says, you're pregnant. More important than nine months later when the doctor says, you have a healthy child. These words you are forgiven are more important than the words the oncologist speaks to you after your last scan when he says you are cancer-free. They are, the Bible says so. These are the most important words you will hear. It's the message of the cross. When you hear you are forgiven from Jesus, you are hearing from Jesus personally. And we forgive because we have been forgiven. One of my favorite um, movies, uh, scenes from any movie all time is from Les Mis. A lot of you are familiar with that. And the scene is where Jean Valjean, the eventual hero of the movie, is caught stealing silver from the church. And the next morning, the gendarmes, the French police, show up with this thief, Jean Valjean, and a sack of silver to the church. And the Monsignor stops them at the door. And the police say, we've caught this man with your stolen silver. And the Monsignor does something amazing. He doesn't condemn him or point at him. He grabs two silver candlesticks and shoves them in the bag and says, Jean Valjean, you fool, why didn't you take the silver also? This is worth at least 2,000 francs. The police are shocked. Are you telling me he didn't steal? And the priest doesn't say yes or no. He just sends the police away. And then the Monsignor looks at Jean Valjean in the eyes and says, Jean Valjean, my brother, with this silver, I have bought you for God. Mark Ryan, my brother, Jesus says to me, and it's appropriate to call Jesus his brother. The Bible says so. Mark Ryan, my brother, with my blood, I have bought you for God. We'll try this in here. We tried it in the sanctuary. I goofed up the whole thing. But when I count to three, you say your full name, first and second name. And don't, don't, then don't say anything else. They just kept speaking after me in there. But I'll count to three. You say your full name and then don't say anything else. Okay, deal? Say it real loud. One, two, three. Mark, uh, my brother or sister, Jesus says, with my blood, I have bought you for God. We hear these words when the gospel is preached to us. We have forgiveness washed onto us in the waters of baptism. For those of us in this room this morning, you will have the gospel in your mouth. It's appropriate to say it that way. The bread and the wine, the body and blood, forgiveness in your life through Holy Communion. You are forgiven. And we forgive because we have been forgiven. Grasping this delightful truth we have forgiven shows us God's heart. It's a heart of forgiveness. And if only I could have that heart of forgiveness, Jesus, I would be able to forgive as well. The good news is that you do. Jamie read it earlier. God says this to us. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. That to me sounds like a heart that doesn't forgive. Heart of stone and give to you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you, a spirit of forgiveness. 
and move you to follow my decrees, one of which is that we ought to forgive other people, and be careful to keep my laws. We meet God in Scripture and we learn of his forgiveness. And he is not a miser with his forgiveness like someone who holds tightly to their money. He freely gives it from his storehouse of forgiveness that comes out of his broad heart. And that is the same heart that we have been forgiven. So one more point this morning. Um, pray for your offenders. I liked everything in this message until this part, Mark. <laughs> Pray for your forgiveness. Jesus says it. We know it from the prayer. We know it from the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I've had a pretty good life. I haven't had any major offense done against me. I really haven't. So I think the worst thing that's been done to me is uh, years ago I was unfairly fired. It's true. I, it was unjust. It was unethical. Probably illegal. I was pretty mad. I didn't deserve that. The guy that fired me, his name was Mark too. So weird but I knew God was telling me to pray for him and forgive him. So my prayers for him began um, fumbling. They weren't real um, pretty. God, I know you, you told me to pray for Mark, and I'm pretty mad at him right now, but you tell me to, to bless him. So even though I kind of really don't want it, would you bless him? Would you give him a good day and sleep well at night and health? And would you give him favor, bless his family, let things go well for him? And you know what God did? No credit to me for sure. He changed my heart. I forgave him. I, I love the guy now. I don't see him. He moved away, and that's okay. But I truly want what's good for him. God does that. If there's someone in your life right now that you can't get past bitterness, start fumbling. Be honest with God. I, I know, God, I'm supposed to pray for this person. I don't want to. I'm still mad at him. I kind of hate him. But you want me to pray for him. Would you, would you bless them today? In spite of me, would you show them your grace and your favor? Would you let them know you and know your great love? See, see what God does in those prayers. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. A couple of next steps. Hopefully these will be helpful for you. Connect with God by grasping his forgiveness. You know, Browns played late today, so you got time between church and the Browns game. Spend some time thinking about God's forgiveness. Honestly, on the couch, on a bench, with your spouse, you are forgiven. Secondly, remember that forgiving will be very good for you. <laughs> you might benefit the most out of this transaction. Number three, uh, make a list of people that you have not forgiven. Pray for them. We're going to end a little bit different here uh, this morning. Um, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, but stop after this fifth petition. I will stop you right there. And then with eyes closed and heads bowed, we'll continue in some guided prayer. So together, if you'd put up that um, portion of the Lord's Prayer, let's pray this together, and we'll stop after the fifth petition. Pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Stop. Eyes closed if you don't mind, heads bowed. Church, at this point um, in your meditation before God, will you remember the huge debt that Christ has paid for your forgiveness and what it cost him to do that?
Church now, eyes closed, heads bowed, would you ask God to bring any lingering bitterness that maybe you're not even thinking about to mind right now? It might exist in your heart. It's wounded you. And as these things come to mind, ask God to pull them out of you. Think about that Ezekiel passage. You've been given a new heart of flesh, a forgiving heart. Ask God to lift those things from you. Ask him to help you to be a forgiver. Church, if you're finding that hard, I understand. Maybe it's a journey for you. Maybe it's one baby step today and another one tomorrow. But would you commit to taking those steps? As much as you don't want to, as much as you think you are the, the arbiter of justice and righteousness, hand that over to God and ask him to allow you to take a baby step every day towards forgiveness. And even now, if you're able, and I pray that you are, would you pray for the goodness and the blessing of that person or persons that you've been thinking of, that they would be blessed even today where they are, that they would know a great Sunday, that they would be shown God's favor, that they would have health and enjoy a good night's sleep and excel in their profession and have a great family life and have plenty and to know God's goodness. And church, now we continue with the prayers for the church, still praying, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your forgiveness. Our world needs help in every area, but specifically now we think of COVID. We're, I'm done. <laughs> We're done with this virus, Lord. Would you pull it from us? Would you heal us, heal people, heal our, our, our local area and our church and our state and our nation and the world? Let there be um, an inoculation or, or, or herd immunity or however you're going to work this. Let this end. Let people be healed. Let economies be fixed. Let jobs be reinstated and restored. In the meantime, give us patience and loving hearts as we meet daily with people who have different opinions on how this goes and face masks and social distancing and stuff. Would you bless our nation? We are divided not only on this COVID thing, but in politics and other things. We are mad at each other. Help us to forgive Heal our land. Um, let the elections go well. Let them be legal and, and just and all that stuff. No cheating or whatever else we're hearing about. Let righteousness prevail. Let your people and your issues pass and be elected as you see fit. Let us understand the goodness of the freedom we've been given in this country and thank you for it. Lord, we rejoice this weekend that there was a marriage that Thaddeus and Gabby got married. You put a family together. Would you show them your blessing with faith and joy and children and laughter and a house full of happiness? We pray all these things, Lord, and now we wrap them up in the entire prayer that you taught us to pray as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 
Thanks for coming to church today. I hope you were blessed.